Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, lovely to be here. Oh, my word. I saw Sean use a laptop. I'm like, okay. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. That's how we do it. We do a laptop. <laughs> um, yo, what an incredible time. Yo, just worship team. Thank you so much. Um, it's always wonderful when we find, you know, the presence of God. Uh, and just at the pre-meeting, um, just, you know, two people came forward. Uh, said, Germany? Ivan? You guys please join. And then Gaynor had, uh, just had a word, feeling that God, you know, put something, you know, just on their hearts. And this is, this is what I love. You know, the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, each one of us. And sometimes he'll just drop something that kind of steers us or confirms something. And for me, definitely, there was confirmation this morning. So could I quickly just ask you three to come up and just share Again, they had no foreknowledge of what I was going to hopefully speak on, but I just wanted them to share what they felt God told them. Um, uh, Rian was asking, did, does anybody have something on their heart that they felt the Lord um, said to them in the past few days? And I just felt yesterday in my quiet time and then last night I had a conversation with somebody about holiness and why do we need to be holy and what does it mean? And the Lord is holy. And if we, if, if we don't position ourselves to be holy, then his presence can't be with us continuously. Because the word also says that if you make your friend, yourself a friend of the world, you become an enemy of God. And for us to experience him and to feel him um, and to hear his voice, we need to set ourselves apart and not be friends with the world um, and yeah, be set apart so that so that we can live for him and not for ourselves and not for the world. Um, the little bit I um, added was uh, because of the Lord's goodness, because of who he is, creator of everything, he's worthy to be trusted. Um, he's worthy of all our faith in any and every situation because he holds it in his hand. It's a bit boomy. Um, yeah, because he holds it, everything in his hand, you can trust him. And he is um, worthy of you showing him your faith um, and laying down your life for that matter because he says, uh, lay down your life. Those who try to keep their life will lose it and those that give, you know, lay down their life, they will actually gain it. You can trust him on that. He is true to his word. Yeah. Um, in the Bible times, anyway, um, names were very important. They actually meant, the meant something. It was the character of the person. And Jesus, God, has got many names. They're beautiful names. I love this, his names. But one of his names is, I mean, and also, he is holy. But he is drawing us in and wants us to be holy as well. But he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. So I was just reminded when we were singing that song that if whatever you need right now, God is there. All you need to do is go to him and ask him because he is God. He is El Shaddai. 
and he knows each one of us personally and inside us. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, but he loves us anyway. Sure, guys, thank you so, so much. Maybe you also felt something this morning, but maybe you didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you're always welcome to come and share it or do something with it. You might be thinking, oh, that's exactly what God shared with me this morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, so please, there's no wrongs, anything like that. Do come and share. So yeah, this, if you're a visitor, um, for the first, this is my first time preaching here. Um, and it's not like I'm a weekly, daily slash preacher kind of guy. Obviously, I love the word. Um, by the way, I'm, the reason why that is is because I've literally... My, my little family, we relocated, well, we will be relocating end of this month, um, but be part of the eldership team, just coming, you know, to love Jesus, love people, and love the world around us. Um, and this is my first time, and the, and the real leading guy is not here. Can you believe it? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just saying that, you have nice low expectations of me. Um, but it is the word of God, and may you have high expectations, as you just heard, uh, you know, just sharing of that. And it's so true. You know, that holiness, the fact that he's trustworthy, and his name says it all, and he's got multiple names that we can just, you know, tap into. So I just wanted to share this morning, and I almost don't want to give it a title. But there's one thing that, 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 that we have in common, most of us here have in common. The fact is, we're alive, and we're alive because God made us, and he's put his breath of life in us. Okay, so we belong to him. We might not say, yes, I do, but if you think about it, every breath, God gave it to us. So we're here um, because God has got a plan. He created us, but there's a reason. Um, and I do apologize for the AV team already. I, I don't know how many scriptures I gave them. And it's purely because I just want to stick to, you know, to the word, not my thoughts. Um, so please, you don't have to write them all down. We're probably not going to put all of them up there. But the first thing I just wanted to highlight is the fact that, yes, we are here and God placed us here for a reason. The first thing is God has got a mission. Okay, He is on a mission, like it or not. But Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Right now, from the beginning of time until now, God is looking. Not only did He create us. Remember, we just drifted. We heard about sin. You know, We kind of separated ourselves from God, did our own thing. But He is actively seeking. He's looking for you, and He's looking for me, and He's looking for our neighbor, he is searching, and he wants to do one thing. He wants to save them. And we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit more. And then there's Luke 4, 18 that says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Man, there's a lot of good news. There's a lot of good things, and a lot of, a lot of good things that God wants to do. But God's mission is clear. And he's got good news because he makes his mission very clear to us. Not only does he want to seek and save, there's a way that he does that. And it's not by our, our thinking. You know, we obviously have thoughts about this. But God's given us a mission too. He's on a mission, but there's a partnership that happens. So his mission becomes our commission. You probably know where that's going. <laughs> to Matthew, right? Matthew 28. 18 to 20 says, then Jesus came, by the way, this is the good news, that Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We didn't get saved for nothing. He pursued us for a reason, and there's lots of reasons, and the, one of those responses, one of those things we do, 
He commands us with this. Why? Because all you need is love. You know that movie? Love, love, love. All you need is love. I need it. You need it. We do need love, but there's, there's, there's a price that was paid for them. Okay, but so Jesus says, hey, go make disciples. Teach them. Do all these things to them. It's like, huh, disciple, what is that word? It's like kind of 21st century. Not clear about that. Fear not. Matthew 4, 19 says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So disciple is someone who follows Jesus, who listens to Jesus, who he's the north star. He's the, you know, he's the one we walk after. And look at the fishermen that he called and the people that he called. Hey, they ain't perfect people. Thank you, Jesus. Me, you, and all the other losers. I'm telling you now, God said, this is, this is a message for the poor. He said, proclaim the good news to the poor. The people's got nothing. No accolades, no titles. No, and those things sound wrong. But I mean, Jesus is clear. This is not because we've been so great or so awesome. He, and he wants us to partake in that. We need to be disciples and we go and make disciples. So here's the really good news. How do we get, how does disciples come about? How do people start following Jesus? Okay, they're here. How would people come, you know, get to salvation unless they hear the gospel? How would the gospel be preached unless someone preaches, me and you? And I wanted to give us a little recap because most of us have accepted Jesus. Most of us, I would think, would call ourselves disciples, right? We follow Jesus. And there was kind of a way how that happened. So it's so funny. We had a conversation, I think it was last week, on one of the WhatsApp groups, you know, about you know, salvation and the gospel message. And I was just so awesome that when God put the rest of this on my heart, that it was, the conversation was already started, actually. Um, so there's a couple of components of the good news. One, this is not good news to you and I, but it's true. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, we know this. One impure thought, anything. I mean, it's so easy to prove that we're all sinners. This is not even a question, okay? Um, if you thought with a woman of lust, guys, don't put up your hands, but I'm just saying we're all guilty. Okay, done, dusted, and there's many other things. That's the first thing, we all have sinned. Second, penalty of sin is death. That sounds harsh, eh? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this separation from God, God never intended this, well, not never. The plan wasn't for us to just live sinful lives and, and be happy there. It's actually to be holy like he is holy. Um, and again, we'll get to it. Then the third portion of the good news is not only do we suck, and there's damnation that's awaiting us because that's, you know, a holy God requires. And I'm not going to the full message there, but the third, the better, the best part of the news is that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for our sins. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's probably one of the most powerful things that we can know. Everybody knows that we suck, and maybe, maybe we don't even know that. Maybe we think we're actually living a good life. And again, I'm sure I'm preaching to the converted that, you know, we've been saved. And maybe this is just a great reminder, not only what has happened to us, but also the impact and the effect it will have on those around us. Because the one vision that God gave me when, when we heard about, you know, Gordon's Bay, uh, and this was one of the weekends away, I just saw the mountains, and I haven't shared, I just shared with Sean and Chantel, but I saw on the mountains here in Gordon's Bay, there was no fire, there was no nothing, but there was this, it's, it's like an ant colony was just streaming down the mountain. 
and I couldn't see anything. There was no fear. There was no fire. There was no none of this. But for me, it was more like a hunger. There was a people that was hungry for the things of God, and they were just coming down and wanting, wanting that life, wanting the food. And for me, it was that the thing of us. There's a wellspring of life. He's the living water. We drink from Him, you know. And, and so this for me is also kind of it's part preparation. It's like, yes, man, do we know? Do we remember what we have? And this is also what we can impart to those around us. Okay, so Jesus paid the price while we were still sinners. Because God demands perfection. He's perfect. He's holy. He demands that. Our sin separates. Jesus fills the gap in the void between that. But not, he did come to save everybody, but will everybody be saved? Romans 10, 9 to 13. That if you confess with your mouth, Okay, there are conditions to that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth you confess. Well, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And I want to highlight that. Yes, you guys, salvation. He came to seek and save everyone. Anyone who will acknowledge him and put his trust and his faith in them. And we're going to look into a little bit more detail there. Everybody. And there's some people in life that you meet, you're like, not that guy. I'm sorry. God can save anybody. But not. My sister was one of them. Uh, just a quick little detour there. But I mean, at standard six or grade eight, for those that are younger, uh, she was in boarding school, but she would sign herself out. And she would be found with the Rastafarians in Cape Town, having hitched hike from Paul as a 12-year-old girl and hanging with them over there, okay? Saying that she went to a friend. Obviously, she was put out of that school and a whole bunch of other things. And God radically saved her. But everybody who met her was like, she's gone. She, at that age, sorry. Another person, my dad, my stepdad. Man, hard as nails. Young age, got offended in church, literally got up in church, tore the Bible and said, and he left. That was a great start to his journey. And this rock hard guy came to a knowledge of Jesus. And I mean, you can't sing Goomba Ya and he starts crying. And I'm dead serious. Like we were just like, literally at one Christmas, silent night. And he was weeping. I thought he was under the influence, but he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you like a rock hard, it's possible. <laughs> anybody who would acknowledge and anybody who has this encounter. So I wanted to just dig in a little bit deeper. So that is the broad strokes of the gospel. We sinned, separated from God. He paid the price. If we come to him, if we repent, if we believe. Now, what does that look like? So the first thing is this. Knowledge is not good enough. You can recite the Bible backwards. We can recite this Bible. We can know every single scripture, every bit of detail, how it fits together, the right timelines, Greek, Hebrew, Mandarin, whatever it is but the knowledge will not save us. More than likely, the knowledge will puff us up because now we know everything. Okay, and that is, <laughs> it's good to have knowledge, make no mistake, because when we share the gospel, we share what Jesus did, and that's imparting knowledge. Like, hey, do you know? And the spirit, you know, will obviously resonate, but knowledge on its own is not good enough because we can still choose to reject him. Romans 1, 3, uh, 32. Though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve those who practice them. Go to TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but I'm in a TikTok and YouTube and all these things. Facebook. Guys, what people are getting up to and celebrating it. The sin, the debauchery, the everything. It's, isn't this it? Even though they know. People making, I mean, 
sure. I mean, performances that are literally just like Satan incarnate almost, you know, like willfully. It's a hardening, but it's, they know the truth. There's a truth that is known, and yet they don't care. Even the demons, you know, in James 2.19, you believe that God is one. You do well, awesome, well done. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. But they're not saved. They don't turn. Again, knowledge is just not good enough. Here's the other thing. I might have the knowledge. You're like, yes, you know, I read it. Yep. I agree. But even agreeing with the truth and the facts is not good enough either. <laughs> you might have all the knowledge. You might say, yes, this is true. This is the word of God. Yes, he said it. Amen. All of that. But it's still not good enough just to agree with the facts. Let's take Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus had a chat with Jesus, and he even calls him in John 3, 2. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher that came from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Did he ever commit his life to Jesus? Did Nicodemus ever follow Jesus? No. He acknowledged all the facts. But there was just one thing keeping him. And we'll see about that. King Agrippa. Paul was speaking to King Agrippa. <laughs> Acts 26, 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He doesn't even get to answer. He says, I know that you believe. <laughs> but yet he did not believe, you know, the saving faith. Because Paul then says in verse 28, he says, in a short, uh, sorry, Agrippa replies and says, in a short time, you think to make me a Christian? Meaning I'm not one, but I hear what you're saying. I understand the facts and I do agree, but I'm not becoming a Christian. I'm not a Christian. That's what you want for me, but I'm not. So you can have the knowledge. You can even agree with the facts. And again, I'm just going over this briefly because that's all we really need. So I also just wonder, how much do we know of the word? And how much do we actually agree with? This is for all of us. And even if we had all the word and we do agree with it, oh, there's one thing that we must do, each one of us individually and personally. I must decide to depend upon, i.e. trust the very words that came out this morning, personally. It's an act of my will. John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, and I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Hebrews 7, 26, uh, 25, he is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him. Since he always, do you see the language there? It's when you come. Jesus never forced anybody, not even his 12 disciples. There's no forcing. They knew the truth. They agreed with it. And this was like, this is it. Drop the fishing nets. Boom. And there's others. And we'll get there. Okay? So saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for the forgiveness of our sins and the removal of guilt and for eternal life. Because that's, of course, not only do we get saved and set free, but there are promises. Man, there are lists. You go Google if you want to, or go to your Bible app, and say, there's a ton of things, eternal life. So, and not the prosperity stuff. Some of that, as we actually saw with Solomon this morning, thanks for the finance teaching. Those things might follow, but it's not guaranteed. What's guaranteed is life forevermore, peace that surpasses all understanding and all these wonderful things. But we have to come. John 1.12, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Question for us to ask ourselves, has, have we received him? Have we led him into our lives? Have we gone into, I'm going to say, 
you know, he says, I knock at the door. If you open up, I'll come in. He'll come in. And we get to enter in too. And then John 3, 16, now one of our favorites, whomever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's not who believes him, in him. Believing him is just facts. It's just knowledge. It's still not good enough. Okay, again, so as I did say, there's a lot of scripture here, but I want to base, because faith comes by the hearing. And this is us hearing the scripture again. And I, and I believe God is increasing our faith to believe and even trust even more and, and stand more firm and be more bold as we, as we look at this. Okay, so our knowledge, our faith increases as we increases, as we get you know, our hands dirty with the word. Basically, the second last thing. So now we have those things. We know we need to come. But faith and repentance must come together. Okay, so repentance occurs in the heart, and it involves the whole person in a decision to turn from sin. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 7, 9 to 10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. Guys, this is actually the main thing that God, I feel, wanted to focus on for each one of us. It's not just having faith, but it's unless repentance comes, and not feeling sorry for our sin. That's not repentance. When a thief gets caught red-handed, oops, well, of course he's going to be sorry because he's you know, going to go to jail. That is not repentance. Okay, we're going to look into that. Uh, Luke 24, 46. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. I'm so glad. I feel like I'm doing God's work here this morning. <laughs> but I'm preaching to me and I'm preaching to you. And you know what? We're going to have to be preaching to the world. No one is going to get saved, properly saved, unless there's faith and repentance. Okay, Peter's sermon. After the sermon of Pentecost, what did the crowd ask them? Brethren, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. How cool is that? 3,000 people. And, 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 but it's like, what must we do? This is not a watered down, wishy washy faith. You know how people get hurt and disappointed? We don't preach the gospel, we don't share the truth. We don't say there's sin and it's doing this to you, and you need to turn from it, walk away from it, put it down. There's no, there's no holding on to both. It's either the lifeboat or your rowboat that's sinking. Ours. You know what I mean? You pick one, but you can't be in between. Um, so, a couple of examples of in the Bible where this is, because you're like, whoa, hold on, because I can't just have faith in God and be saved. No. Unless you repent, unless you turn. Think of the rich young ruler. Jesus asked him, give up your possessions. Zacchaeus. Jesus declared salvation that came to that house because he'd given back what he'd stolen. He had remorse, he had repentance, he turned away. In fact, restitution, he actually made right. The woman at the well, he asked her about her five husbands, or her husband, and she had five. So Jesus points on these things that normally is an issue in our lives. Nicodemus, rebuking his rabbinic unbelief and pride on his own knowledge. Okay, so these things God is pointing out so that we can turn away from them. This sin that obviously causes that barrier. We have to turn. The world is trying to make it enticing 
and cool and hip and happening to have some sort of sin. Because you, you know what sin leads to? We read about it in Romans 3. Sin leads to death. Spiritual death, but also physical, actual death, that we will not be with him. So this is a real thing. And please, I'm not, I'm not bringing this because, oh, there's sin. Sin is, yeah, there's actually sin, but not in that way. You know what I mean? It's in, a, it's in a good way. There's sin in each one of us so that we can repent of it. Our response, Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me, all who are labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he immediately adds, by the way, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. So there is an exchange that happens. It's his wisdom, it's his knowledge, it's his ways. So we submit to that, not only do we believe, but we take on, we put on Christ. Okay, but you must also know, we must know, that something happens at conversion. When we do this, in faith and by faith, we get saved because we believe he's risen, he's the son of God. There's a transaction that happens, it's called conversion, or that's when we get plucked from the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. It's like when a baby is born, dark, light. That happens, and we've got access to the Spirit of God. In fact, that's the one thing that we should do, is be filled with the Spirit of God, because He enables us. It's now no longer I who live, but He lives in me, Paul says. And that should be the same of us. We might not feel it, but the transaction happened. It's like when I deposit a million rand in your bank account, you maybe didn't see it, but when you check, it's there. And this is the promise we have. When we repent, we have our faith. He's in us, He's with us. And He'll be faithful to point these things out to us. Last one. We're coming into land. All you hot people. <laughs> it is nice. No? It's not 36 like yesterday or 34 like the day before. Um, but for us as Christians, I want, I want to be reminded, I want us to be reminded that living by faith is a daily thing. It's not a once-off event. I got saved in 1956, 7th of March. It's not the date that's, that's nice. But am I daily living, daily surrendering? Galatians 2.20 is what I just quoted. The life I now live, well, sorry, the life uh, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did Paul ever claim to be perfect? We do feel he was like perfect. Eh? He wrote like a third of the New Testament. It's like amazing, this super apostle Paul. He's like, no. <laughs> in my flesh, man, you know, one, uh, one area he writes, it's like the things I want to do, I just don't do it. The things I don't want to do, that I do. Isn't it crazy? We all have that same thing. Daily living by faith. And then also with that, daily repentance. And a daily choosing to, to, to stay away from sin, to not choose sin. We have this option. We have now probably more option than ever because everything's at our fingertips. Everything is, you know, people just don't care what they wear and what they say and what all these things. Everybody's bold about everything. And to one extent, uh, you know Penn and Teller, the, the magic guys, the magic shows? And I heard the clip of Penn. And he was, and it's kind of shocked me a little bit. It was like, if Christians really believed that they can be saved, and have a relationship with God, and they will inherit eternal life and spend, you know, all of that time with Jesus and God. Why aren't they tackling people in the street and sharing the gospel? If this is true, why aren't they doing that? They should be insanely radical. And this is coming from an atheist. So I was like, preach it. You know what I mean? I mean, this is, and this is to me too. 
It's like, oh my word, yes. When last did I share the gospel? I'm not talking about just living a wonderful life where people can, you know, witness with their own eyes and say, oh, I wonder what's different with him. That's great. But just the gospel, the power, do we really believe what we have? Could it be maybe that there's stuff in our life that's not 100% that's actually holding us back to preach this with conviction? I'd like to say I think so. But you know what we can do with that sin? With those shades of gray? You see, you know what? We can repent. We can say, Lord, I am sorry. And I choose today, I'm turning away. I choose holiness, righteousness. And again, we can't attain that by ourselves, but it's by His Spirit. Lord, I come, I submit, I take your yoke upon me. He leads me. He guides me. Huh? Isn't that something that we can do? Each one of us? And that's, that I want to make our challenge. Are there areas, and I'm talking to every Christian here, are there areas that we've maybe just not bothered with? To bring it to the light. Because you know what will happen is, we can keep those things. We don't have to, again, the gospel is not a gun pointing at us, you know, threatening us to bring these things. It says, when you bring it, when you come, you bring it to the light, he'll render it powerless. You might be sucked into an area of sin and you just cannot get breakthrough. Or you might not even think of sin. You're just in an area, not breakthrough. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no nothing. It's not your diet. <laughs> might be. No. It's not, you know, it's the <laughs> Thanks. I see you got this one. <laughs> Guys. Can we honestly look into our own lives and say, yo, there might be an area here that I need to get rid of that is binding me. I just can't get freedom. I just don't have the boldness. And if that is the case, guys, let us repent of it. We can have soft music playing. By the way, you guys honestly did really wonder. We can, but you see the response. When, God invi when Jesus invited these guys, he said, come, take up your cross, follow me. Like, whoa, hold on, what? No, no, the cross? I know what that means. That is to die. I don't know if I'm ready. And that's your choice. You can reject. You can't say no. Yes, but I would say, man, what are the consequences of that? Compared to the flip side. And that is the challenge that I have for each one of us. Just consider right now, just consider in your heart, like your Lord. Because remember, the enemy is not wanting you to get freedom. The enemy is not wanting you to deal with it. He's the father of lies. He will wind you up and try and just, you know, if he can put you six foot under, that's what he's, he's going to do. But man, the invitation of Jesus is there. Not tomorrow. You can have freedom now. Why wait? But it's trusting him. It's believing him. And it's actually saying, Lord, by your power and your grace, I'm going to turn from these things. So is there anybody... We don't have to close our eyes. We can, obviously. That's, sometimes it's just very nice to give you privacy. But, but is there anybody who's willing to stand with me and say, Lord, there are areas that I want to bring to the light so that you can render them powerless, that I can have freedom? Then come. We'll all pray together. You can literally come now. Just come to the front, yeah? And this is doing business with, with Jesus. This is not me. It's not for anybody here present. You know, we don't deserve this. 
We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve the love. <clears throat> he said, while we were still sinners, he knew of us. He thought of us. Oh, hey, would, you just, would you just pray with me? And we can, we can lay hands if some of you would just want to come and lay hands. We don't. And if you came to the front, now is your time. You can just surrender. And you can just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And this morning, I choose to turn from all the sin, all the evil works. And Lord, I choose with my heart to grab onto you. I put all my faith and all my trust, I put in you. Yeah. So if you're in the front, yeah, you can just do business. You're just... He's faithful. When we repent, He's faithful and He'll forgive yeah, I've got to just ask the rest of us to just to be prayerful. Let's pray. Let's pray with those that are here. And let us ask the Holy Spirit to just maybe shine a light on our own hearts. And you can also do business. Yeah, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you for your great love, Lord. something money cannot buy and the invitation is so beautiful say come no money no money for this come and drink come and eat it's free it's a free gift and it's for everybody can I maybe ask you might be seated but you might maybe someone comes to mind that right now does not know Jesus and maybe you've been praying for them but why don't you just call their name before Jesus and say, Lord, would you move upon that person? That there would be a heartfelt, a willful choice for them to come and turn back to you. Yeah. Yeah, we just want to allow time for people just to come and to make right. You know what? Oh, it is so precious. It is so precious. just want to say this you might be maybe you're a little bit shy you don't want to come out can I also just encourage you like in your seat from your heart that's where it happens he knows you he sees that's why Zacchaeus up in the tree he called him down Jesus reached out to him said come I'm gonna I'm gonna have supper at your house tonight and just in his presence oh man he was changed tax collector. You're the worst of the worst. It's so beautiful. And he knows your heart. He sees. And there's areas. 
bring it before Him. Each one of us could be up here. We know this. You know it and I know it. We are sure fallible human beings. Yeah, let's take some time. Let's do some business with God. a little bit and then we're basically going to draw the meeting to an end but it will be so lucky if you have to go please we are more than welcome or stay we'd love to have coffee with you but shall we do shall, shall we just sing this one more song of worship and then we can um, we can still give some room just for God to do his business cool
Father God, we, as your people, want to say thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. We want to say thank you that you presenced yourself with us here this morning. Lord, we are yours, and we are so thankful. Lord, thank you that you give us life and life in abundance. Oh, thank you that you fill our hearts with joy. Thank you that you take away the guilt of sin and the power of it, Lord. And in its place, you give us your spirit, your power, the ability to do what we could never do. Oh, to love and to give ourselves willingly. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can be called sons and daughters of the living God. And Lord, we can leave this place in the same way we entered here, well, victorious in Jesus. Less of me, like John the Baptist said, and more of him. Father, we pray for that. More of you, Lord, today, tomorrow, and every day. And you are faithful. We just say we love you so much, Father. Yeah, Amen.